Okay, you ready? You can hear me okay? Great, we're on? Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. I'm Peter Little, lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. And you're listening to our Sunday Sermons podcast. To learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Thanks for listening. Look, behold, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You guys, this is what I need. I need a God who is with me. Not a God who knows all things or a God who is all-powerful or a God who is three persons in one or a God who is beautiful beyond my comprehension, although God is all of those things too, isn't he? What I need is a God who will be with me, who will walk with me, who will sit with me, who will stand with me. I need a God who will enter into a relationship with me and who will understand me. I need a God who knows me and knows me deeply and still loves me. I need a God who will walk with me through difficult things in life, who will walk with me through uh, my parents' divorce. I need a God who will be with me when um, I realize that I've just made a huge mistake and there's mammoth consequences. God, are you with me in that I need a God who will go with me to my first day of high school when I'm scared to death that nobody will like me. Remember that? I need a God who will accompany me as I move to San Francisco and walk through the intimidating doors of O'Brien Kreitzberg project managers for my very first job. And then I need a God who will walk with me when I walk out those doors as I quit that job and began an internship in ministry for 10% of the pay. I need a God who will be with me in these things. I need a God who will be with me when I say yes to marriage and a God who will be with both Krista and me as we figure out how to do this over the last 21 years. I need a God who will be with me when I'm told I have testicular cancer. I need a God who will be with me when I wake up from surgery. I need a God who will be with us when we discover that we are not able to have biological children. I need a God who will be with me when I say yes to the call to be the pastor at Christ Pacific Church. I need a God who will be with me. Do you? I don't need a God who has all the right answers. I need a God who's with me. Behold, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel because he is God with us. That is what his name is. And when Jesus was born, he entered into the muck and the mire and the mess and the brokenness of our world. Consider this just for a moment. Jesus entered the world in precisely the same way that you and I did, through our mother's birth canal, soaked in amniotic fluid and blood, squirming and screaming as he gasped for his first breath of air. It kind of brings a new meaning to Silent Night, doesn't it? It might not have been silent. 
Jesus entered the world through what is arguably one of the most painful human experiences possible, giving birth. And isn't that an appropriate initiation into a world that is broken? Jesus was born into our mess. He was born into our messiness. And isn't that what we desire most? A God who is with us in our mess? Isn't that what we want most? To not be alone in the midst of the mess? At one point, Jesus gathered together with his disciples and he washed their feet. Like, is there a better image of what it looks like for the God of the cosmos to enter into our mess? He gets on his knees, he wraps a towel around his waist, and he attends to the dirtiest part of us, our feet. You know, when Joseph had a dream, the dream in which he discovers, uh, he's told that Mary's pregnancy is somehow mysteriously a work of the Holy Spirit. He's told to give the child the name Jesus, because Jesus will save his people from their sins. Jesus is a Greek name, and it just means God saves, or as someone has said, God to the rescue. That's what Jesus' name means. This child who entered the world the same way that you and I did will bear the name and the mission of God. He is God, the God who saves, Jesus. It strikes me that in the very beginnings of our New Testament, the very first chapter, Matthew 1, over the course of just three verses, we're told that this child will actually have two names. He'll, known, he'll be, be known uh, by at least two names, Jesus and Emmanuel. He is both the God who saves and the God who is with us. And those two things are related Jesus is born into our humanity. He becomes one of us. He experiences life with us, living with us in the muck and in the mire and in the mess and also in the joy and in the exuberance and and jubilation of life. And this one who is with us, he, he took our place as our substitute on the cross. He took upon himself the punishment that was supposed to be upon us. He bore on his shoulders the weight that ought to have been on our shoulders as he took the sin and mess from us. It turns out that the God who is with us is also the God who saves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to dwell among us as one of us. This week, Philippians 4 has been uh, very important to me. Apparently, it's really important to a lot of other people uh, because Philippians 4 verse 6 is the most underlined verse in the Bible. Um, We know this now because of the U version of the Bible. You know, it's like online, and so you can underline and highlight various verses. The most underlined verse in the Bible is Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. It's on the screen. It's the most popular for very good reasons, I think. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't worry. Uh, Pray about it. But we cannot miss 
the words that come right before this verse. What comes right before this verse is the very reason that we don't need to worry. What comes right before this verse is the foundation upon which this invitation is built. You don't need to worry because of what we're told right before this verse. In fact, without the four words that come right before this verse, this verse is only slightly better than Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. (laughs) What makes this verse so good? is what comes before it. So if you underline Philippians 4, verse 6, and you know what? You should. It's a really good verse. But if you do, you better double underline these words that come right before it. The Lord is near. That's the best part. In fact, that's the main point. In fact, that's the whole reason why we don't need to worry, because the Lord is near. I've been singing Will Regan's song, Home, this week quite a bit. In fact, I even put it in your bulletins. You can Google it and uh, listen for yourself. I am not alone. Your heart is my home. I am not alone. Your heart, O God, is my home. After this amazing verse here, verses 5 and 6, we get this amazing promise in verse 7. It's such good news. We don't have to worry, but instead, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm. Because the Lord is near, we can exchange worry for the peace of God. That's a really favorable exchange rate. Really, really good. Friends, I had a lot of reasons to worry this week. Uh, If you haven't yet heard, we had a big flood in the church this last week. It's kind of a mess. That's why this door is closed, and we have to use the outdoor restrooms over there. Our preschool was shut down for the week and is still not yet open, although we hope to get it open ASAP. The reason it's closed is because our fire alarm panel is still a mess. It's not working properly. It's got to be recertified. There's like 75 contractors who have to look at it and give their thumbs up, right? We've already spent a ton of money fixing things and pulling out all the wet stuff that got soaked. And as I mentioned a little bit before, we're heading into the end of the year, $100,000 in the red. Friends, I had a few reasons to worry this week. And you know what? I am not worried. And it's not because I'm crazy or, or unattached or naive. I know that a number of you have been explicitly praying for me. It's working. Don't stop. Keep praying. I haven't been worried one bit. I've been swimming in a whole lot more than floodwaters this week. I've been swimming in the presence of the living God. Because I know that though we walk through any valley, we don't need to fear anything. Why? Because the Lord is with us. The Lord has been with me. Thank you, Jesus. You know what, Philippians 4, it just keeps getting better. We haven't even gotten to the best part yet. It keeps getting better. We get a whole lot more than the peace of God. I mean, you think like, come on, the peace of God? Can you get better than that? Yeah. Because you know what we get in addition to the peace of God? We get the God of peace himself. Listen to this, verses 8 and 9, if we keep reading. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about 
these things. And keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, says the Apostle Paul. And the God of peace will be with you. If the peace of God is good, the one who gives the peace, the one who is the source of the peace, that's way better. The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And you know, the Lord actually desires to be with you. He wants to be with you. Now, you, um, you are not necessarily, uh, well, you're definitely not the same as God, neither am I, uh, but we are not necessarily the same as God in, in the following way. You might sometimes be what I would call reluctant company, okay? So maybe, for example, uh, you are going to go to your daughter-in-law's home for Christmas Eve dinner, but you don't really want to. <laughs> For whatever reason, uh, you are what I would call reluctant company. You're present, you're there, but you're not super stoked about it. Or maybe um, this week, or maybe it was this last weekend, you went to a work Christmas party, and you went not because you really wanted to, but because you felt like you needed to. You were kind of reluctant company. You were present, you were there, you were with your colleagues, but you kind of like didn't want to be there. The Lord is never reluctant company. He never feels the way you felt at your work Christmas party. He never feels the way that maybe you feel when you go to your son-in-law's house for Christmas dinner. When the Lord designed the course of history, when he put together the cosmos and he designed time in which the cosmos exists, he Put things together so that he would spend eternity with you. He didn't have to do that. He made it so that this would be the case. He designed all of this, remember? Consider that for a moment. The God of the universe set the universe up and arranged time in such a manner that he would get to spend eternity with you through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing that he did in order to make that happen is he himself came. He put on flesh and bones, and he dwelled among us in the person of Jesus Christ. That happened about 20 centuries ago, and it's why we have a manger up here on the stage as a reminder that the God of the universe is God with us in the person of Jesus who came to us through Mary. Jesus came to us back then so that he could continue to be with us now and forever. The manger is simply a foretaste of what is to come. The manger is like an appetizer. It's like an hors d'oeuvre. Not to take away from the amazing miracle that is Jesus born to a virgin. But that's just the beginning we heard from Revelation chapter 21. It's like the very end of our Bibles, and it, it gives us some hints 
uh, about where history is moving, where history is going. What's the telos of history, the goal or the purpose of history? Where is all of this headed? And in Revelation 21, God gives the apostle John a vision, a vision of where all of this is headed. It's a creative vision, and it's this vision of a new heaven and a new earth. And this new heaven and new earth uh, is coming down. Uh, it looks like a new city. It looks like a new kind of Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth. That's crazy. You mean paradise is not up there somewhere? It's actually down here that heaven is actually on earth? Yes, but that's a whole different sermon series. So there's this new Jerusalem. It's coming down to earth. This is where we are. This is where history is headed. And as this new, wonderful, beautiful city comes down from heaven to earth, there's this loud voice. And this loud voice from the throne says the following. says, look, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. The home of Emmanuel is among mortals, is among the people, is among you and me. This is the telos of history, the goal of history. This is where everything is going. Why is it going in that direction? Because God designed it that way. Because he is not reluctant company. He wants to be with you. Because he's the with us God. It's his name. So as we approach Christmas this year, and as we remember and celebrate the manger, Jesus, born in Bethlehem, I want to invite you to reflect on that reality, that the Lord came then so that he could continue to be with us now and forever. Your heart is God's home. Speaking of a God who is with us, um, isn't this what we need from one another as well? We need people who will be with us in the muck and in the mire of life as well as in the joy and jubilation. We need people who will be with us, who will stand with us and sit with us and walk with us through those defining moments in our lives, in those moments when we maybe feel like we're teetering on sanity. We need people to be with us, sometimes simply sitting still in the silence. You know, we don't need people with all the right answers. In fact, you might agree with me, it'd be nice to have fewer of those people who seem to know all the right answers. What we need is people who are with us. People who will sit with us, stand with us, walk with us in the good times and in the bad times. People who are present with us because your presence and the presence of another, it's like the best present that can be given. And I think you who are parents, you understand this really well. Maybe especially um, when you have adult children, I hear this a lot from parents, including my own. You just want to be with your children. Like you don't care if they give you something. That's not what you're interested in. What you want is them. You want to be present with them. And you want this because this is like an echo of what it means to be human, what it means to be relational. We want others to be with us because we don't want to be alone. 
I want to invite you to imagine uh, three significant people in your life. Think of their names, their faces, just three people in your life who are, uh, who are significant to you for whatever reason. And then just ask yourself this question, how can I be present with these important people? How can I be present with them, present to them, present for them, in the muck and in the mire and in the mess of life, and also in the joy and jubilation and celebration of life? How can you be present with them when there's confusion and also present with them when there's this wonderful thing called clarity? How can you be with them in the midst of their discomfort? Now I want you to imagine three more people, three people who you're not particularly close to. Maybe they're acquaintances. Maybe you just kind of know about them. Maybe they're colleagues. I don't know. Three people who you're not particularly close to, but you just have a sense that they need the gift of presence. Maybe you, maybe you know that they're alone, either literally alone or they just feel alone. Again, ask yourself this question. How can you be present to those folks in the mess and also in the joy, in the confusion, and also in the clarity? How can you be present to them and with them and for them? You shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. One of the primary ways that God is present with us and present among us is through one another. One of the ways that God is with another is through you. This is one of the wonderful ways in which you get to be the hands and feet of the living God, the hands and feet of Jesus. God is present with another, sometimes through your embrace, through your hug, through your sitting in silence next to someone in pain, through your celebrating with someone who has just achieved something wonderful. How can you be present to someone who needs the gift of God's presence, especially during this season? And so I want to invite you to commit today to this week be present to one of those people uh, that you thought of who are significant to you, one person that you're pretty close to, they're an important person in your life. How can you be present to one of those people this week? And then likewise, one of those people that you're not particularly close with, how can you be present for them? Is there something you could do this week to demonstrate that you're with them? One of the cool things about the body of Christ is you all are thinking about different ways to be present with another. Because we experience the presence of another in different ways. Right? It's kind of like if you ever heard of love languages, um, you know, we experience love in different ways. Some of us feel loved um, in one way, others of us feel loved in another. And likewise with the gift of presence, others of us feel, uh, we feel the presence of a community through acts of service done to us. And, and others, we feel the presence of community with us simply through quality time together that we're 
spending together. And, and you all are thinking of different ways to give the gift of presence. And that's just the beautiful thing called community. And so would you commit today to do that for just two people this week? One person who's really important to you and, and one person that you're not close with, but you just, you just kind of know they need the gift of presence as well. Friends, God is with us as we climb to the top of our mountaintops and also as we walk through the very bottom of the darkest valleys. It's who he is. It's what he came to do and be. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Pleased to be so. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpc.com.